Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Happy, happy New Year. This week, Dennis and I talk about backbreakers, non-winners, Stern Pinball production updates for Q3 and Q4 of 2023, leadership changes at Stern Pinball, James Bond's 60th anniversary edition details, discussing limited games versus cost projections. In part two of episode 120, our predictions for what's coming in 2023 from each manufacturer. In part three of this week's episode, we discuss the pinball awards season and big old changes coming to the third annual Crystals, where this year your voice matters and you can win a lot of prizes, as well as a very special 2022 pinball market trends. Y'all, the pinball show is so big this week, we can't contain it. It's mutating. Why does it have three legs? Wait, that's not a leg. Don't temper your expectations. Figure it out. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never bought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot? And the days of old Lanzine For old Lanzine Pinball is a game of skill For old Lanzine For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle We'll take a cup of kindness It's time for the Pinball Show It's pinball with personality I'm so happy to be here because this is the pinball show. This is my everything. I love this podcast and I love that we're in episode 120. My name is Zach Minnie. I'm the host alongside our other host, Dennis Creasel from the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. I'm just, you know, just a, an all around swell guy. How's it going, Dennis? It's going pretty well. We're here we are. And we're actually behind the scenes recording on New Year's Day. We are. But we've recovered enough to to eck out an episode, you know, just before the Bond 60th reveal. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming Tuesday. We promise. People just are like the dragons in Game of Thrones season one. They're coming. We promise to stick with it. So anything special on New Year's Eve? No, I uh, I usually it's just a little you know a few hours before. I've never New Year's was never like a big holiday thing for me yeah, ever. Sure. So it's like uh, I usually just watch, but I always like to try and stay up till midnight. So I usually just watch movies. I actually watched the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies from a few years ago, which your friend uh, Jablonski, oh, yeah. I believe, did the music for the second one. Yeah, don't know. I don't think he did the first, but he did the second one. So I, I hadn't seen those. So I watched both of those. And. Um, I like the music. Well, you actually, got, you, actually, hey, they got you me got to, laugh. to the second one, which is they, impressive. No, they got me to the the second one looked better, but it was kind of it was. I felt like they were cramming in every. I don't remember turtles super well. I mostly remember it from video games. So, yeah. and so like, oh, they're really they're cramming in all of the. All of the names, all of the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, they even had Baxter, but they didn't have him as Baxter Fly, Mm -hmm. which I kept going, when is he going to be a fly? What's going on? Um, And so, and then they didn't have April O'Neil in her yellow jacket at all. And I thought, oh, come on. Megan Fox wants to wear the yellow jacket. I believe it. I believe in her. Now, a lot has happened since, uh, you know, New Year's and when we last spoke to these listeners here. Which was before Christmas. Yeah, Yeah, before Christmas. We had our holiday uh, get together. You had your jammies on with the rest of the Creasel family. That was a good time, I, I assume. Yeah, it was. Christmas went well, and of course, uh, your your gift or your well, and there were multiple gifts. Well, <clears throat> that one was just a filler, you know, just a little fun. And I think it's my I think it's my job to be the filler of that <laughs> gift. That's so true. Yeah. Tell them about it. <laughs> You're like, oh, great. What a sick way to do it. So, uh, yes, Zach shipped me. This is huge box. It felt to me huge. Like Amazon's like, here, you ordered a stapler. Here, have this giant box style. So this, bo- this box comes in. I'm like, what is this? Is this a, a 
topper. Surely not. Zach knows my ceilings are pretty low. Yeah, and, and, I open it and it's light. It's super light. I open it up. Uh, I knew it was coming though because I get the UPS mm-hmm, notifications whenever yeah. anything from UPS is coming to my house. And open this box up. And there's all this air wrap, and I open, get past the little air padded bubbles and everything, and one, one pair of Nordman boxer briefs. Yes, uh, Nordman. <laughs> and so it says. So the backside on the cheeks shows the the, the emblem <laughs> of the Nordman, logo. right? And then on the front, kind of in the in the uh, crotchal region, uh-huh. we would say it says the Silver Ball Knight. <laughs> You really should have made it say balls night. Silver That's balls right, the silver ball <laughs> just, for, just for the underwear. That would have been more appropriate. Oh, I'm so glad that you got this. I don't know why Nicole put them in a big-ass box. <laughs> just probably all that was available. Yeah, she might be getting low on You can fold them up really small. Put I mean, them in the envelope, shit. This was one pair. Just one pair. I like that she put like security wrap around it and everything. Yes, it was very safe. It was just like. Yeah, she had it wrapped up in a security thing like the old CDs at Sam Goody. Mm, Remember the same uh, goodie? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. But oh gosh, those were, it wasn't that bad to open. <laughs> I know. <laughs> those CD cases, geez. So yeah, that's right. You did get some underwear and you did get a game from me for Christmas. And yes. we, we expanded it out to everybody. If they guessed correctly, they were going to win the, the most wonderful prizes, but nobody got it correct. You Nobody. lose. You get nothing. Not only did they not get the trim level, they didn't get the game. They didn't get the game. Much less the trim. So the trim level aspect was moot. Didn't maybe, matter. Maybe it was a little tricky, but I, I mean, what was it? Was it? It's still in production. It's still in production. I had one stashed away for a, a, a while. It was from the last run, which was a long time ago. I, I mean, it was like, yeah. So I get that. I get why that would be, you know, for the discerning, like knowing those who were like vetting it against mm-hmm. what's on the line based off of the information you'd provided in the episode. I could kind of see it. I just thought at least someone would have lucked into it. Right. Man. I mean, I didn't, I don't know if I saw every single message that, that came in, but I, I looked at a lot. It seemed like Mandalorian was the most common mm-hmm. guess. Mandalorian, that, Toy Story, okay. people guessed a lot of, and Rush, people guessed a lot of. Yeah. No, no, and no. Tell them what it was, Dennis, for those who didn't see. It was a Deadpool premium. Oh, yes. I think that was a pretty good call for you. I think Tony and I kind of... It, it was. And then what they also, of course, don't know because they didn't know the game was you got Mr. George Gomez to record a little Happy yes. Christmas, Dennis uh, audio thing, which was which was way too burdensome to have put on him. So I did email him and I thanked him for, oh, for nice. doing that. Nice. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll play that right now for listeners. This is what uh, our homie Gomi had to say to the Creasel. Hey, Dennis, it's George Gomez. I understand you have gotten an amazing Christmas present. The pool man has shown up to say Merry Christmas. And oh boy, I hope uh, I hope you have a great time with it. Um, I just heard Mr. Meany is gifting you a what is it, Deadpool Premium? I think. Yikes! It's it's the uh, you know it's the game that I would take to a desert island with me. I'll tell you that right now. So uh, enjoy it. Boom, baby, boom. So anyway, thank you very much, Zach. It was very surprising, and yes, it it has been quite a bit of fun. Now you got to admit. When that disco mode goes, that's a cool little moment. It is. It is. With the repeating shot. You know, it's cool effect on the. I couldn't remember if I had played a premium. I had, but only like once. Mm -hmm. I mostly played a pro. So I didn't realize the ball spun. Yeah. Yeah. And it shines. I mean, there's. Disco's on that whole play field. Yeah. Yep. You get that little ramp, it comes back mm-hmm. up. That's a cool game. And now being in the home, I can actually hear the call outs because I've always played it on location. Sure. So so which I you know, it always seemed funny, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. I gotta admit. It was a good pick. And you're still fully connected. I am. I am. <laughs> I was like, I bet this one I bet I bet Zach's sending this so that I have to buy an insider connected kit. That was my because <laughs> you'll you'll be like, you know, Dennis, you can't you can't have one spike system with the with the right. connected kit like Godzilla. Connected. But then I thought, well, this was new in box. I wasn't sure that it came out when the connected kits were available. I couldn't mm-hmm. remember. So I thought this might be pre-connected, mm. but it was not. It was post-connected. It was. Yeah. Their last run was one they squeezed in right after the, I don't know when. The that, build date on it actually is January. Yeah. That was a, uh, a vault game that I kept, kept back. 
Well, thank you. It was extremely well, kind of you. Thank you for accepting. I thought it fit well in your collection. And you know what I got for Christmas? Another back surgery. Oh, no. It's no, very sad. Very Just sad. after we got done talking about it, I had to go to the an outpatient appointment so they could look it over. And damned if they didn't say, that doesn't look good. We're hospitalizing you for an emergency surgery. And you're going back under the knife. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Mm. But I did make it home before Christmas, so that was great. I still can't do much, and it kills me. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad that it had to happen again. But I guess you had you had indicated there wasn't any infection or anything. So no infection. That was good. Uh, that for was all good. those that aren't squeamish, yeah, they did cultures, and uh, it all came back good. Was it Pincinati? Like my theory has been I think that Pincinati. Yeah. See, I think it was. <sighs> Chuck, fix that show. I know. I even had help. I don't know what to do anymore. You know, yeah, except for you when you went to the <sighs> drop freight place. That's you didn't what have help happened. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't take help. Damn it. Oh, well, it's just a back, right? I'll have to get a fusion at some point, listener. For those of you who know the difference between all the different surgeries for the backs, I'll have to get a spinal fusion. That's going to be like a six-month recovery. It's going to happen. I just need to plan on when it's going to happen. Yeah, just do it during your slow season. <laughs> That's right. See, problem solved. Uh, speaking of bad backs, your poor FedEx delivery guy that delivered the Deadpool <laughs> premium damn near hurt oh, his back. Can you tell me uh, about that? Oh. Yeah. So, okay. So, so he many wheels shipping the, issues. Right, right. So, anyway, the game comes in. Um, you know, it's on the pallet, of course, wrapped. Uh, he's got it on this sort of giant, you know, wheelie dolly thing. It takes mm-hmm. it into my garage where I've, I've got plenty of space cleared. So we, we take it off there. He's covering up the label. Cause he's like, cause I mentioned, you know, someone shipped it to me as a gift. I don't oh, know what okay. it is. Yeah. And so he covered it when he wheeled it oh, in. He's cool. like, I'm coming cover the name. You know, I go and I check the box for damage and see any damage. And he's like, yeah, no, no. I'd have told you if I saw any damage. I was like, okay, well, the last guy was like, yeah, we don't go to any efforts if there's damage. He sounded like a friendly FedEx. <laughs> yeah, he was very really friendly. I guess he delivered a few other pinballs before because okay. he had mentioned mentioned that. So he's asking me about pinballs while he's leaving and he's backing up. You know, he's got the dolly in front of him and he's backing up. Mm-hmm. And I had, once he had pulled in, I had backed my car out car out of the driveway a little more i i don't park in the garage so i had it out in the driveway and i just i backed out more to give him way more clearance and so anyway he's backing up he's backing up but he's not looking behind him and i'm and i'm finally i realize oh no he doesn't remember where the car is but before i can say anything he backs himself right into the bumper the dolly this huge dolly rolls into him like pins his leg and he falls against the hood and catches himself this of your car yes oh yes and Oh, he was so, of course, he's super embarrassed about sure. it, uh, but he, I mean, he's in, clearly in pain. He grabs his leg because mm-hmm. this, this is this huge, so it's not like a normal, like normal home version dolly. This is that huge rolly thing. Yeah. It's the pallet. Um, pallet yeah. Jack. The pallet. Well, yeah. Pallet, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you know the problem. Yeah. So pallet jack. And so, you know, he, he, he gets it, pushes it forward, you know, gets off the car. He's looking at the car because he's worried that he, he, you know, dented it or, or something. I'm like, I, I glance over at him like, no, it looks fine. It's are you okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, you pinned yourself against the car and he's like, no, no, it's all, it's all right. And he goes in, I hear him get to the truck and his, uh, you know, he's got an associate in the truck with him. I hear him going about it, check him <laughs> complain about how he pinned himself against the car on the way out because he didn't look behind him. Like, all but, you were doing is sitting there on your damn phone. That's right. You, you came were, out. didn't even come in. You didn't help. Didn't do anything. Uh, that's why you're my runner. You're supposed to get your <sighs> ass out of here. And he sat, he sat out there for like 10 minutes. I thought maybe his leg's too wounded to push the accelerator and he's oh. stuck. But so yeah, you, were the, went you were the winner of a brand new pinball machine. He was, I'm not going to call him a loser. We'll call him a non-winner of that whole you're delivery non-win. situation. And all of you listeners out there, I'm not going to call you losers because I love you, but you guys were non-winners with that whole contest of guessing the Deadpool premium for Dennis Creasel. So I like that there was someone on on Pinside who had commented from Australia because he didn't he was worried about the shipping <laughs> cost of the of the of the you know big award. That's and right. It's like, well, you don't have to worry anymore. No worrying about that. You're not going. Uh, so none of you won. I had I had two Deadpool premiums. None of you won that other brand new pinball machine. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, that's too bad <laughs> oh, but like, you know what that you know what they say shit, second, second place is the first non-winner oh uh, speaking of winners i think craig bobby is in hibernation still so mm. we're going to uh we're going to allow him a couple more weeks to regroup and come back doesn't mean we don't have news here at the pinball show we have a ton of it oh yeah that's a lot so let's kick it off with stern pinball stern pinball a lot of movement this last couple of weeks such as Gary Stern 
maybe the most iconic person living in the pinball industry, stepping down as CEO from Stern Pinball Incorporated. That's a, that's a big mm-hmm. one. That's a big one. He's yes. been doing it for a long time. And we knew that when Shelly Sachs was retiring, those two came in together. I thought, eh, maybe this is reading the tea leaves here. I knew something may have been going on. So he's stepping down as CEO, but he will continue to serve as the chairman of the board over at Stern Pinball. Uh, and the other owner, Dave Peterson, is going to remain the vice chairman of the board. So they'll still be you know, leading the, the board there. And both Gary and Dave, they're going to remain the controlling shareholders of the company. And they're going to serve in executive roles on a project basis. So they're still going to be around. They're still going to be doing stuff. They, they still are the majority owners uh, of this company. So I don't see huge, huge changes. We know that Seth Davis came in about a little over a year ago um, to kind of take on that CEO position as like a temp kind of thing. So he's now full-time CEO at Stern Pinball. And a lot, not a lot of people are talking about it. I haven't heard it. But 35 years as CFO, Michael O'Donnell is retiring as well. And he has newcomer Nick Parfit. Uh, joining the company to take over the CFO position. Yeah, I didn't find this news surprising, uh, not for the tea leaf purpose with with Shelly like you did, but rather just simply because they brought in Seth yeah. uh, a while ago to sort of integrate him. In. Yeah. Right, and I think uh, I think it was uh, with Joel Engelberth on his interview with George Gomez that was on the Flipping Out YouTube mm-hmm. that uh, George had noted, yeah, they brought in Seth and you know they were it was to see if he was a good fit. You know, mm-hmm. They wanted to sort of t- test drive him and see if he worked well with the culture and that he did. So that all was part of that logic that makes sense to me about bringing it in. I, in terms of changes, though, you know, I, I, I actually think this this could be interesting mm. because normally, at least as best as I know, typically the board, which all right. So Gary's still on the board because of his investment, sure. you know, just like if it was even as a public traded company or or whatnot or nonprofit boards. You know, I work for a board uh, as an executive mm-hmm. director, which is sort of a you know, essentially a, a, a CEO on a nonprofit side. Mm-hmm. The uh, it's the CEO is subject to the will of the board, but generally the employees are under the control and discretion of the CEO. So. Even though Seth is quote unquote fit in with Stern, it will be interesting if he I think he'll start making his mark on it. And there may be some things that Gary did that Seth did not agree with that he kept his mouth shut about until he was CEO, and he'll probably start executing some changes. Oh. So you think it could I, be a little bit of stir up? I, no, I'm not thinking anything major. Like I'm not thinking like Matt, like the whole like all the design teams change or anything like that. But there may be some structural uh, decisions like I don't think he's going to change on the cornerstones and stuff, but there might be some shuffling around. Uh, like I, I've wondered if maybe Seth has been someone, for example, that had just is a complete hypothetical. But let's say he's been the one that's been like, you know what? It seems like the teams have been really, really flexible. There haven't really been teams except project by project. But we know Elwin has worked really consistently with a set team of people. Mm-hmm. Maybe Seth says everyone's on set teams now and it's not going to oh, be see. flexible like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like Jack Danger will have a team and Brian Eddy will have a team. You know, the programmer okay. will always be with the designer and, you know, the same leads I and all see of that. that. Yeah, some big decisions, so, but yeah, not, it, not drastic to... Uh, Right, right. To, some to some of that. Think. And of course, moving to the new facility, there might be some internal logistical changes that Seth will want to do based off of his prior experience with other companies that he thinks makes more sense than. I think we'll see it there. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Stern, I think probably has been, well, you know, it worked at Data East. It worked at Sega. Let's keep, you know. Let's keep, keep rolling and banging yeah, things well, out. Yeah. Why, you know, sort of a, you've got the, it ain't broke, don't fix it uh, philosophy. And then you've also got the, just because something ain't broke doesn't mean it can't be improved. Mm-hmm. Of course, the risk is, of course, tinkering with something that ain't broken and breaking it. So <laughs> you never know. But yeah, no, I think he'll I think we'll see more change now than we did when Seth came in because he now uh, will have more autonomy mm-hmm. as CEO, because normally, at least again, in, in the organizations I've worked with, which have been more nonprofit oriented, but it's been. Yeah, the CEO answers to the board, but the board generally doesn't – boards don't generally like get to muck around with the individual no. employee levels. So also, if there are people there that Seth doesn't like, they might be uh, they might be removed. Yeah, bring in his own people or at least get rid of the people he don't like. Mm. It'll be an interesting that, year for sure. And Stern. again, I think that fits with some of uh, – you know, with, with like uh, O'Donnell leaving and all of that. Uh, you see, mm-hmm. there's a reason why old guard off and all goes kind of at the same time because yeah. the work culture is going to change a bit. 
Maybe not a lot, but it'll change some. And I remember how this dates back four, four years ago, maybe five years ago, man, probably about four years ago. Um, when I interviewed for a job there and subsequently a year later interviewed again, um, they talked about, you know, w- over the next decade, we're, we're transitioning to, you know, we have a lot of senior executives here that are going to be retiring, including Gary Stern, including, you know, CFOs, uh, CROs, inclu- all of these people. So we're looking for this next generation of Stern pinball executives. And we're wanting passionate people that are willing to grow into that spot. So yeah, I can, that all makes sense to me. That all makes sense. But where does it go from here? We'll have to wait and see. Oh, speaking of, we've waited long enough for James Bond's 60th anniversary limited edition by Keith Elwin. It's finally time for them to launch and reveal this game, Dennis. January 3rd. Too late. I said it was going to be in December, and I was wrong, and so was, now I'm sad. I think sad. I was wrong, too. I'm, okay. I, I think in the last one, you hedged a bit and said early January, late December, <sighs> early January, in a desperate attempt to reposition your prediction. Well, it still makes me wonder when they're going to build these things. We don't know. We know that it's going to be launched January 3rd, 2023. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to announce time. I'll say the morning. How about that? You guys are welcome. Um, it's going to be a little bit different for dealers. Typically, we'd have a seminar day of or day before, talk about pricing, talk about uh, the assets, pictures, features, code, design, just everything. Uh, no, no dealer, no dealer uh, seminar this time around. We are going to be given some info, probably an hour before the public reveal, but it's going to be a call for pricing thing again. Uh, there's going to be 500 games globally. So typically, you know, 250 here, 250 overseas, maybe 300 here, 200, but uh, 500 games globally. And we know that Stern is actually, they've already advertised that part of their insider program, that paid program, uh, they're going to be selling a handful direct. So that's interesting because if it is call for pricing, we thought we'd fall into this whole Elvira House of Horse 40th anniversary where the dealer sets the price. Um, we will know as dealers our our cost on these things prior to it launching, but I don't I don't think dealers are going to see this until the public sees it. So oh, interesting. Now I I'm assuming then because of what you've just said about the information maybe coming out you know, an hour or so before the mm-hmm. public reveal that you don't know what they're going to list on their website. Stern, yeah. because Stern's selling direct, they're going to have a, they're going to have a publicly known price. Exactly. So we don't know. So it makes it, makes it kind of tricky for us because once these go on sale, we don't have pictures. We don't have information. We don't have, we don't even know what this product is. Uh, we don't know how much to price it for. So at the reveal, bam, it's going to be crazy because you get phone calls coming in. I want this game. How much is it? How much is it? This guy's got it for this much. I'm trying to update the website. I'm trying to inform our customers. It'll be a messy Tuesday, but it's a good problem to good problem to have. The only difference being if they are selling a handful direct that almost suggests to me that there is going to be a suggested pricing. Yeah. You know, maybe they don't, I I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and why not both it? Okay. So, uh, so they won't officially give you a suggested pricing, but there will be pressure uh, to tie things based upon what their website price is, like indirect pressure. So, the, so yeah, more like a the, the public holding. will. What, what's going to happen? Here's what I think. I think they're gonna they're not going to give you a you, you'll know your expense. They're not yep. going to give you the set price, kind of like the Elvira. But since they're selling directly. The public almost immediately is going to say, this is how much Stern says it should be sold for, mm-hmm. because that's how much they're selling it for on the website, and all distros will be compared to that value. I thought so as well, but then we do have someone we're friends with that uh, is in the industry as well, and they, remember, uh, they messaged us suggesting another possible situation that may occur, and that made sense too. They said, well, this might be kind of the... Uh, Good nature of, you know, if they're only going to throw out, let's say 10, let's say five to 15 direct, that's not really anything. They'll create even more demand for it because if it does go quick at, let's say 5,000 below what dealers then start advertising for, if it goes that quick, which it probably will, 
even if it is a lower number, he said he don't think that really is a guaranteed effect on establishing a price. My thought is, I don't know if it necessarily, uh, here's what I think. I think the 500 still sell out really, no matter what happens with the pricing. Mm -hmm. But what I think it does is it gives people a a context, a, a number that they're going to compare it to. That might not prohibit that, like, let's say Stern, let's say Stern sells it for 20,000. Okay. And then let's say a lot of the distributor, those 10 or 15 games go for the 20 and a lot of distributors kind of benchmark more like 25,000, which I've seen a lot of people kind That's of speculating. kind that. of the speculation I'm hearing. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, it'll just be, it, again, it, it, it's more impactful, like where everyone, like if coin taker and flipping out and uh, tilt amusements are all different, that's more interesting. That's going to be more discussion worthy. That's what happened than, on Elvira. Right. Then otherwise. But, but of course, as long as people know, well, Stern sold it for 20,000. So, you know, and Stern made money. So, you know, that the distributors are that. making another 5,000, just pure profit on top of it. And there might be some grousing. Oh, about it's a it. showing of hands kind of thing. Right. Yeah, right. Right. So, so that sort of a thing is, is, is there will be, they might still sell it under what, or what, do you think Stern reaches? I mean, this well, this puts a lot of power on on them as well because before they didn't have to get their hands dirty really. Mm. No, I do not. Like, do I think they sell for thirty five thousand and then the distros come in under what Stern directs prices? I do not. It's so I hard think, to know. It is, but I think if if I were a distributor, I would want to know what Stern's selling at, and I wouldn't be planning to sell under it. Sure, because I think Stern's gonna. I think they're all gonna sell out. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my. I, I think that Stern sets the floor, okay. whether they mean to or not. I think they end up setting the floor. It would be very interesting. Um, let's say, well, let's use you as an example. Let's mm-hmm. say that they did say 35000 and let's say flipping out. It's like, well, with my, well, my price of the game is that I have to pay to buy it. I could still sell these for 30000 and still make decent money. And you good, do. Yeah. And you instantly sell them out. But what like, but does it get you? Like, yeah. you're probably going to sell them all out at thirty five too. So why would you do it? Mm. I mean, like you, you could say, well, I bought goodwill. Great. But do you like, do you need that level? Like, does it help you sell venoms later? I don't, you see, I don't see how that sort of goodwill. Well, it, this is a good discussion, Dennis and listener, does because it, it goes, does, it goes yeah. back to what we discussed whenever, uh, whenever Elvira came out and whenever we are, we were in the thick of the pandemic at the thick of, uh, the highest points that pinball pricing has ever seen, where you would see every new LE that comes out, regardless of the title, you would see a handful of dealers go above the MSRP or do an auction system or do. So, and a lot of what we said initially was, yeah, the big dealers are going to do right by the people because they have the most to lose kind of thing. So they're not going to take these risks for the big over MSRP. And my argument initially was that, but then I came around listener and I said, after just gauging the behavioral patterns of everybody in this industry and the buying patterns and such, people have very short memories for shit that they really want. So I don't think it hurts anybody. I don't think it hurts a dealer when he jacked up the prices, you know, 5,000 more to sell them. Because if that dealer, even if they're a shyster, if that dealer still has the game you want, you'll deal with him. I, I don't think people's buying integrity, sadly, I just don't think it permeates over time. Like I just sad, but true. So I don't, I don't know. Then again, look what happened to Scooby-Doo. It didn't sell out because of the, the, uh, because of the bad feelings in the tummies of buyers of Halloween and Ultraman. So maybe it does matter in the future. I um, I, yeah. And we can, you know, in terms of the future, that, that'd be an interesting, we, you know, we can have a discussion on that about, cause I do think aspects of the industry are changing, but, mm-hmm. but I mean, again, th- if it's all within the realm of like, whatever, it, it's different is what I, is what I guess I'm poorly articulating. So if Stern, like is Stern is Stern is the manufacturer, right? Mm-hmm. People are going to, because they normally provide an MSRP. So even if there isn't an MSRP, if they are selling a game at a certain price, it 
automatically becomes the MSRP in the minds of the public. Yes. And the public will know because of the internet. Sure. So even if the pricing was only offered for those that were in the insider thing, people are going to go on pin site and they're going to post what the price was. Yep. It's going to yep. be, it's going to come out that day. And so given that, if any distributor were to sell under that, under the unofficial MSRP, what is the advantage to it unless they were worried that they were going to be sitting on these games? There's See, if there were a lot, like if this was an infinite number of 60th anniversaries, oh, sure. selling under 5,000 under MSRP and being allowed to because it's not, you know, it doesn't violate your your floors or anything, that that might have logic. But at 500 count of the most popular designer in the history of pinball, yeah, yeah. of of a a pretty popular theme. Uh, I just, I, uh, you know, you're right. Yeah. It, that's my, that's my yeah, point. If right. you were to sell like 5% under the stern listed price, uh, especially if none of the other distributors were doing, that's not going to help you move toy story fours in your inventory. That's you're what right. I'm saying. Yeah. It's not, buy, it doesn't buy you anything. And I think there's still going to be some people that are going to be prickly at the perception of dealers that go over that stern price too. I really do. Sure. And I, and that will be where where you had noticed, you know, over the last couple of years, how they were able to go over and they're still selling the games and stuff. That, in terms of how things are going to happen moving forward, people want what they want. But now that it's not as tight as it, oh, you know, this game aside, of course, but now mm-hmm. that things are loosening, now that the supply chains are opening, now that not everyone is just buying everything that's out there because they're desperate to get anything that's pinball that's functional – some of those, uh, some of those chickens are going to come home to that roost. That could I be think. a thorn, and that could be deep thorn in the pole. Mm-hmm. The missing scale in Smaug's armor. Yes, Smaug. I like Tony's Smaug. Smaug. Yeah, he does it. He's got a lower voice good. than me. So. That's a pretty good one. So we well, had a we had a request for that on the new equipment. So oh, that's really? pretty, oh, we had yeah. to work it in. Yep. Dulcet tones. So yeah, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see how this thing rolls out. I still want one. I. What what would you be surprised if this damn thing sold for thirty five forty thousand as a norm? As a norm, yes, yeah, I think I would be. I would too. But wow, what a talking point that would I create. Five hundred is is limited, obviously, but it's not. Uh, this not is pinball, limited, right? It's not. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, and I, I hate because I don't want to bore everyone, but I hate cross contaminating my my hobbies all the time. But again, in in wristwatches, five hundred would be seen as an okay le size. It wouldn't be seen as ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 seen as the same count. But but you know, if the brand normally sells for. Ten to fifteen thousand dollars, and you're saying that this one all of a sudden, like, we wouldn't see that sort of markup in that hobby from a like Seiko doesn't mark up like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think I really thirty to thirty five new in box would really surprise me, quite frankly, because I there's not other than its limited nature, there's not a good argument for it being that high. I don't think it's mm. going to have that much more stuff in it, and. Again, this is only about half the normal LE run. Yeah. So normally what I would do is I would just take the current LE price and double it. And I'd say that's what it should be. Okay. I see. That's see, it. Pretty simple. That's pretty an simple math. heuristic there. Yeah. Okay. I want to do this little exercise and then we're going to move on because I want to tell these people what's coming in the second half production wise. <gasps> you promised this yeah. on the last Two, episode. Three, but just as a little exercise here, this is kind of fun. We all know how great Godzilla is. Key the Elwin game, right? I would mm-hmm. I would argue that the IP is not even as strong as James Bond. No, it's not. What if, hypothetically, we got to re- go back in time and we get to release Godzilla again, but they only released 500 total units. That's it. No pros, no premium. There's 500 LEs of Godzilla. That's it. Do you think... That it goes, that game goes for more than twenty five thousand because I do, at five hundred units. Uh, I knowing what you know now, it's the greatest well, of all time on pins right, right, top right, one hundred. Right. So, so knowing that, yes. However, the the catch there is, if there were only ever five hundred, most people wouldn't actually have the hands on experience to know that it was the greatest game. Yes, very much so. So, yes, yeah, hindsight. Course, so but. that's so that's the catch is the problem is we all know because there are so many out there how great of a game Godzilla is. Mm-hmm. So yes, knowing that, I do believe it would go for over twenty five thousand if there were only five hundred. How high do you think it'd go? 
knowing what we all know now with Godzilla, 500 units only, and maybe 250 overseas, 250 a domestic. Mm-hmm. 40,000? Yeah. No, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't we it goes we never saw like with the ultra collective things of like Big Bang Bar and stuff, they weren't going that high. No. And I, I get it. It's greatest gameplay of all time, but a lot of, yeah, got to remember our little Venn diagram, right? A lot of the people that can truly enjoy that the game is great. Mm-hmm. There's still a, a there's still a price value per play that becomes ridiculous at some point. It's like it's it's the greatest game ever, but it's also it's not forty thousand dollars. I mean, it seemed we're, it seems we've gotten like, we're getting stupid it, now. Yeah, with, it seems like with Batman Super LE with all of these just super rare stuff, thirty thousand is kind mm-hmm. of that is kind of that ceiling. I just wondered if because we know Godzilla arguably is the greatest game of all time, does it break through that ceiling that we've seen stuff, you know, the, the CE pirates kind of at its heyday peak right around 30. Like, do we break that 30,000? It'd be very maybe, interesting. Maybe it, it possibly could with as low as account as you've given it. And if it had as much hype and popularity as it, mm-hmm. it, it currently does. Yeah. I think maybe it, I, I would say, I think it could break 30. I don't think it breaks 40. Do you think it breaks 40 with a hundred units total? Yeah, probably. See how this works? It's very no, no numbers very matter. Numbers numbers very much matter. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah. If you the more the rarer you make it, the more you can pump it up because this, regardless of how my your your overlaps in your little Venn diagram are, you need less and less people involved to control the the value mm-hmm. of it. But because you're getting to the point where it's only a handful of buyers that are willing to to play in that space. I mean, let's think, think about it as a as a normal, not not as a distro, but as a normal human being. Mm-hmm. If you were, let's say, you had forty thousand dollars for a pinball collection, do you just buy one game? I don't think I could. No. See, that's where that's the, a lot of people are going to be in that boat because even if they could afford it, it's like, well, I can own one game. Or I can own four ten thousand dollar games, or I can own eight five thousand dollars. You, you see, you know what's crazy the, though, Dennis? You, the one, the one category that would make me think twice to spread myself that thin would be theme. I, I mean, that you really would because there's only a finite amount of pinball machines that I could own. I like having nice things. I like displaying my preferences on things, collectability and stuff like that. Theme really holds a really strong place for me on on collectability type of things. So, sure, and every every hobbyist is going to approach the question differently. So, I mean, once we're getting to that volume of games and that price point, I mean, how many of them are going to be played? Because yeah. you start being the, the the diaper wiper. They're going to be the diaper wipers. Yeah. Are going to scoop these but up. Then again, who are like, I, these games are for show. They're for flex. Uh, they're visual spectacle. I don't use them. I could them. see, though, at a limited run of 100 of an Elwin's Best, I could see locations then start to say, now we've got a draw. This is a, this is a specific draw for our location because no loca- not many locations around the country are going to have this for general play, for use of big competitions. If those these locations want these big Whopper farm kind of thing, I think then you get some of these big locations that say, hey, this is a this is an actual entertainment draw for us uh, to put us on the map. So, I don't know. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe some really large like I could see like Pinball Hall of Fame mm-hmm. like they did with Pinball Circus kind of going for that logic. But I honestly I don't think having a forty thousand dollar game gets you enough additional foot traffic to warrant the. Pr- I think most of them that they had the game and it got that high would probably sell it to just buy multiple more games and make more yeah, coin maybe. drop. I don't. I just don't think it's enough of a. I see the psychology of it. I actually don't think enough people will travel, travel to just experience. Like yeah, they'll do yeah. that, and how much are they going to drop in it? Twenty bucks, and then they'll never come back. I mean, it's. I. I these just are the, and these are these are fun little know, discussions and such. It's just, it's amazing how these discussions can have some weight whenever we're dealing with the biggest manufacturer and arguably the best designer. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ceiling goes up from there because you give me a back to the future that is a phenomenal, maybe give me a back to the future. That's a top 20 game from a consensus standpoint, review wise, $50,000 is, I, I would find a way to own that game for 50. Yeah, you would, but, but most, but I would not. 
No, and, I get and, that. I get that. And I think more people in the hobby are like me than are F- like you. A hundred percent. Yes. And I don't mean like personality wise or anything. No, I just no, mean I know when it comes exactly to that dollar mean. amount, when it comes to that level mm-hmm. of of into pinball, like it's just I've never I mean, I've I don't think my entire collection is worth fifty thousand. So it would be it would be extremely yeah, yeah. it would be extremely hard for me to to, you know, want my collection to be worth that much. And then to say it's all in one game, I mean, I wouldn't have anything else. I just, I couldn't rationalize it. I, you know, cause I could logic myself saying, well, if I sell this and this and this and this, I could get it. And it's still the same amount of money into the hobby, but mm-hmm. it's like, okay. And I'm going to go downstairs and play my one game. Like I remember when I had my one game, we'll see in <laughs> there's a, a reason days. why I have more now. We'll see in a couple of days, how high this thing can go or how low this thing can go, whether it's going to be a certified hit or whether this is going to be, this is going to be the one game that, Elwin falls on a sword for if this is his no even if it's bad again it's so rare i just don't think it it makes much of an impact on his on his reputation if it's bad i just when it comes to james on for talking about james bond a lot of people are going for the premium version and believe it or not i didn't think these things would start shipping until january once they come back from their little hiatus their production hiatus no there were some that actually left the facility in 2022 we were able to, uh, we've got some in route right now, some bond premiums that have shipped a good amount of them too. So hmm. first run is among us of James Bond premium before the first of the year. That's it's pretty exciting for a lot of people. So it is coming. And I did hear that this 0.8 code update was a huge help already. Okay, I did hear that. I have not played it myself though, so I can't, I don't know, but I heard it was, it was girthy, quite girthy. Well, again, uh, going back to that Joel interview with with George Gomez, Gomez did confirm on that interview that it is the licensor that approvals are holding it, which yeah. had been my speculation for a while. I couldn't fathom that they weren't as far along in the. I mean, the code was bad, exactly. Like not not, not badly developed. It's, it's so bare, um, and I'm like, there's no way they're this far behind, especially mm-hmm. since they skipped a cornerstone. Uh, it has to be something else holding it up, and and yet, and yes, it's the yeah, licensor trying yeah. to approve all those visual assets. It's a mess. And now looking at the production schedule, we're going to give you here exclusively on the pinball show, the second half of production schedule timeline for Stern pinball. As a reminder, these are all tentative schedules. Uh, They change whenever they need to change. Um, So it's just a general guideline as to where we're going to be going this year. We talked last episode 119 on what Stern was going to be developing, producing January 2023 through June of 2023. So let's start really quick before we jump into July. Let's start with looking at our January schedule again. January schedule does have some bond premiums on there. So we're going to see some bond premiums continue to roll out once they come back from their hiatus. And then it says James Bond pros. So we may get some pros, but they fulfilled a lot of them. So we'll see. I still think there could be a window for the 60th anniversary to be built in January, February. Oddly, okay. I still think it could happen. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see there. We'll have some updates likely in the next day or two as to when they're going to build these 60th anniversaries. But keep that in mind. Let's jump to July. July. The plans are to rerun Avengers. Mm. So we haven't seen Avengers producing quite some time we're going to see the pro and premium jump back on the production line in july and as of right now that's the only thing on july schedule interesting hmm summer july okay all right we'll keep that we'll keep that in mind as we jump into august the production schedule stern pinball for august 2023 includes the likes of they've had to sell a lot of these games star wars pro and premium again we didn't get, we're not going to get any for the first six months of 2023, but we're going to get it for seven months. We're going to get some more in August. That is the license, I guess, just license alone sells very well. Um, people were speculating during the last run in what, November-ish, October-ish, that maybe the license was done. Nope. There's plans mm. to make them in August. September schedule currently is blank. <laughs> mm. Mm. I wonder what that means. I wonder what that means. So interestingly, Jurassic Park pros do not see a run like their counterpart premiums in the first six months of 2023. Remember, the premiums are being built again in June, but the pro is waiting until October. 
But again, that's the only thing in October. So hmm. something feels like it's happening in September and it's going to be happening so much so that the premium may be rolling into October production. Right. That's a second cornerstone. November comes along and we're going to see Godzilla premium get another run. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. We're also going to be, Aww. we're also going to see made in November of 2023, right around the holiday season, Mandalorian pro and premium again. Yeah. And as a reminder, those have not been made since was last summer, this past summer. So they nearly go a year. No, they made a couple of them here recently. But still, that's eight, eight, nine, ten months of no Mandalorians. Dealers' inventories are getting short on Mandalorians, so you're going to see that with the topper and everything. You're going to see that start heating up a little bit more. December rolls around, and we're going to get, ah, there they are, Deadpool. Mm. Deadpool Pro and Premium. You thought it wasn't going to make a appearance in 2023, and it hasn't all the way up till December. December 2023, Deadpool Pro and Premium. So that little, that little red bitch you got in your collection right now, Dennis, uh, yeah, value is going to hold very strong. Very do you strong. think? Do you think that uh, they're re- they're running it in December? It's like a it's like a Dennis bump, like <laughs> that. That me talking about the game they've been like, we got to put another run on it because it's we got to. It's going to be so hype. If not, he's going to end up selling that thing for twenty grand. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, if we've learned anything here at Stern Pinball, it is we do not want Dennis to make money. You know what? I tell you what, people get their refund checks back uh, this year. No Deadpool production until next December, a year from now. That Deadpool premium's easily, easily a 10,000 plus game used. Easily. New in box, I think you could get closer to 12. And that, that's it's, nuts. It's not in the box anymore. Why not? It's not in the it. box anymore, but just for figuring it's out. It's in the lineup. Now, of note, as we're looking at the big, bigger picture here of a 2023 production for Stern Pinball, there are no current planned runs of Rush, pro or premium, mm. for the entirety of 2023. That's interesting. That's surprising to me. That is surprising. I think it changes. I really think that changes because Rush has sat there uh, this summer. Rush has sat. In inventory. They sat and we reported to Stern that they were sitting. And then once code became more complete on that thing, now they're gone and they're gone quick. So they're a harder, they're a harder title to get in. Dealers still have them, but those things aren't going to be sitting like a Led Zeppelin will. Or like a you know what? Or like a Star Wars. Star Wars mm. are going to sit. Rush will not. So yeah. No rushes on the slate. And then looking through all their other produced games, everything's getting a run in 2023 with the exception of Rush. Other things to note, Godzilla Premium, right now only scheduled for February and November. I don't think that that will be true. I think they they will run that uh, one or two additional times. They're going to have to. Yeah. They're going to have to if they have the parts. Elvira only gets that one yearly run as of right now. They could probably run... Uh, they could probably run Jurassic Park twice next year. That would be really good. Deadpool's they could run several times. That would be really good. That's still a hot Iron Maidens. They could probably run that twice as well. So again, the back orders stay high and these catalog games stay desirable, uh, both on the primary and secondary market. So there's your update from Stern Pinball. What, what do you think of 2023? What are we going to see Stern Pinball? We've talked about this. We think there's going to be two cornerstones. I think there's going to be some kind of little mystery happening at some point from Stern Pinball. They got something in their sleeve uh, for 2023. I really do think that. Um, and then do we get do we get anything else? Or is it just going to be two cornerstones? Is it going to be Foo Fighters? Is it going to be Jack Danger? We did hear from George Gomez on the, the Flipping Out stream that Jack Danger and Tanya are going to be working together on a cornerstone as are Dwight Sullivan and Brian Eddy on a cornerstone. Those are our two cornerstones this year. Do we see a Foo Fighters from the Danger crew and a Venom from the Eddy crew? Do we see any other games? I actually, I agree with that still. I've seen some people starting to doubt the rumored lineup stuff. Like, uh, I know, again, based off that interview, as you noted, there was the talk about uh, George mentioned that Jack was going in a different direction than what Stern's used to. So I've seen people starting to second guess the yeah, long rumor some stuff. And I and I dis I mean, I agree with what George said. I think people are reading too much into it. 
Foo Fighters is what I mean, they've covered a, a several genres of music, but like grunge and post grunge is something that they're known for, which it's a that's new a new direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stern hasn't yeah. done that style of music before. So I think he's still doing Foo Fighters and I do think it's 2023 and I still think Venom is in the works and I do think that's Eddie's game. Mm, and okay. I think that's 2023. So those are the two cornerstones. I will disagree with you about the something special. Oh. I'm going to lean into a live stream I saw with Mr. Craig Bobby, even though he couldn't be here with the us today to provide the news stuff. with the with the thought of Kapow and Back to the Future, but being 2025. Oh, so man. with that out further than than 2023, I think that it's just the two cornerstones and the rest of the time is spent catching up on Godzilla. No. Remember George Gomez kind of talking about stranger things and. Oh, yeah. No, there uh, may. Oh, you mean. OK, yeah. I. Uh, I forgot about that. Uh, you know what? Okay. There, new last season of Stranger Things is going to happen around the summer. I he said I they would it fix would... it all. If they did, the, <laughs> if it did happen again, I'm surprised yes, he even I, okay. went yes. there. Um, I I think running Stranger Things again would be very smart for Stern to do. But one last run. But it wouldn't have to happen this year. I. Last season, it's not going to be as relevant. I I know, but the game itself has grown in popularity given where the code is at. Would and you obviously buy the Game of Thrones swing. right now as a vault? Probably not. I mean, maybe a pro, but but during uh, their last I, season, you probably would. Eh, I'm just saying. Yeah, their last Game of Thrones last season. Oh no, it was so great. Bad. I was the only one it, liked it. It's fine. Uh, no, it's not. It was bad. No, it, was it wasn't. Bad. What did you want to happen? That that makes sense. That all it, makes sense. I don't no, know what Jon Snow ended up doing. I'm Khaleesi, and I'm going to change personalities in the last episode. No, she was tired of all That's the shit she keeps getting. No, she finally said, no, "You know what? Fuck no, these people." That was my. That was a perfect impression of Khaleesi. My Khaleesi. I'm just going to change personalities. God, I can relate to her. Burn it all to the ground. <laughs> all these knives in your uh, back. Ugh. Knives out. Glass onion. So, yeah, no, I could, I could, yeah, I could see that happening. But, um. Okay. No, I don't know. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, I guess Godzilla's kind of evergreen. So it's, I just, there's so many people that are waiting and with orders and I still, you know how I am. I don't believe in people having to wait like a year for games. I think I it's a bad, bad look for any company that allows it and, and be it on purpose or are not. And it clearly, I, I think clearly Stern never expected this sort of C tier license of Godzilla to be this popular, but it is. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to try and satisfy that as quickly as they can. And skipping a cornerstone and then filling it with uh, like a vault style thing. I think that can work, but um, as long as it's not too big of a run, because they really need to be throwing more premium Godzillas on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I think. That's a good take. That's a good take. I'm, I'm going to agree with most of that. Yeah. And that has been part one of episode 120 of the Pinball Show. Make sure to check out part two of your favorite pinball podcast right now. <laughs>